This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch. Claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race line. Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh yeah! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Red of Troy Radio. This is the car cast of USC's 42-28 win. Over the Arizona State Sun Devils, the last time USC will ever go to the desert, ever in the history of man, until they <laughs> until maybe, they end up scheduling maybe an leave, maybe play a fiesta bowl or fiesta bowl or you know yeah I, something like that. Um, anyways, uh, we're gonna react to that game, uh, a game that is uh, the I, I put on Twitter it was peak USC Pac-12 road opener. Pac-10 road opener. Um, if you've been around for a while, you know how these games have gone the last two decades. Um, we should have talked about it in the preview, but the, <laughs> this is quintessentially what it was. I think it was mentioned in passing. I think we've mentioned it in passing. Yes. That the Pac-12 road opener is always tricky and uh, that the only thing that USC really had to fear tonight was it's your first road game. We don't know how this team is going to react on the road. Some teams are have a lot of trouble on the road. We've seen USC teams have this issue in the past. Uh, and, and you look around college football as well. When you go on the road, uh, it doesn't matter how good or bad your opposite, the opposition is. Sometimes you just mm-hmm. get bit. And uh, well, in, in those cases, it's really important to not get bit in the loss category. And so the least I can say is that USC that didn't happen. Got to yeah. win. Yeah. So SC wins 42, 28. As always, you can follow us on Twitter or Troy, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Raina Troy, email address, Raina Troy, fantasy.com phone number 818-643-7227. Suck it. What's Bruin show. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Casillo. Join along with my co-host in the Rancher studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Deratola. Hello, everybody. I got a little bit distracted by reading the chats. We, we got Jesse in the back, too. Uh, yeah. Welcome to everybody in the chat. Before we started, there was like 75 people waiting for us. Uh, that's exciting. Um, welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome, everybody, to a uh, a car cast that I think is going to be interesting because there's a lot to talk about in this episode. Uh, we talked about it for right there at the, at the start right there. All the hallmarks of the Pac-10, Pac-12 road openers, um, a game in which SC was, you know, favored by five touchdowns going into it. You expected sort of some, you know, big blowouts. Um, it wasn't in part because uh, SC had, uh, what is the number? 10 penalties for 85 yards, um, a turnover 
uh, a defensive performance that can be categorized as good at times and bad at times. Uh, we will discuss that here, of course, uh, and a day in which the Trojans were three of 10 on third downs, uh, the, the greatest offense in the history of the school, three of 10 on third downs. Uh, that's not going to do it. So uh, we're going to talk more about this game here today on the CarCast. Welcome, as always. Uh, if you're in the, the YouTube chat, be sure to like the video and make sure that you're subscribed so you're here every week uh, after every game uh, with the CarCast, but also uh, in the middle of the week for our game preview episodes on Wednesday nights uh, and our game fallout episodes on Monday nights uh, and Thursday nights for the sickos, the, the real hardcore rot bots, the rot squad. I uh, can become a member and get all of our bonus content, uh, including our Thursday nights, uh, right after dark episodes, which, uh, we <laughs> mistakenly put out to the masses the other night, but it was fun. <laughs> it was, a, it was a fun little hangout with everybody, but here we are. Let's, let's talk about USC and ASU. First thoughts go. Oh my gosh. Um, first thoughts. First thoughts are that USC's offense is not fair because I think this was the worst performance by the USC offense since Oregon State last year. Uh, and yeah. the, I would argue, the worst performance by Caleb Williams as a quarterback with a healthy hamstring uh, since Oregon State last year. Okay. And USC's offense scored 42 points. Caleb Williams threw three touchdowns, 322 yards, and completed 65% of his passes. So, like, if that this, is not fair. If I'm, if this is the worst the SC offense is ever going to look. And they looked bad. for, for There were stretches <laughs> of this game where they actively looked bad. Right. Um, the, the, the third down conversions were bad. The mm-hmm. play calling, or, or not necessarily the play calls, but the play mix uh, of uh, of not just writing Marshawn Lloyd, uh, not just writing the the run game. Um, putting I choose game, not to run. Yeah, putting the game on Caleb Williams too too often. Uh, wide receivers dropping passes, the penalties, the offensive line having swinging door moments, having penalties, um, all of that kind of stuff. The offense looked completely out of sorts, completely discombobulated, uh, far 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 below the well oiled machine that we have been used to seeing. And they still still scored 42 points on the road. So in the grand scheme of things, if we're talking about the offense on a very off night, this is still one of the greatest offenses that I've ever seen at USC. And it is ridiculous what Caleb Williams is able to do. And it is ridiculous to have a weapon like Marshawn Lloyd. And it is ridiculous for Brendan Rice to pop up with 133 yards and two touchdowns the way he did. All of it's ridiculous on, on, on the offensive side. If I, I feel bad for Arizona State's defense, who I thought did a very good job against USC's offense and still got murdered. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do to stop this USC offense. That's my thoughts on the offense. The defense is... Um, Uh-oh. I, I get that you look at the stats and it's eight sacks and 14 tackles for loss. And oh my God, that's incredible. And it's, it's uh, Arizona state averaging five yards per play, which in the grand scheme of things is not the worst thing that, that this defense has, has given up. Um, they caused havoc. They created negative plays. They did all those things, but those are all just, covering up the broader problems with this defense that reared their very, very ugly head today. 
um, they they gave up chunk plays to Drew Pine, who I'm sorry is not a good quarterback. He had fewer yards tonight than he did in November. This is true. That's that's progress. And he got murdered, sacked eight times. Um, they gave up long plays to uh, Cam Scadabo, who we said at the we said in in the preview, great name, but also like. You can't be doing. You can't be giving those plays up. They they gave up uh, deep deep shots and and missed tackles and uh, had missed uh, missed reads and were vulnerable to misdirection and vulnerable to trick plays. And I get it. Kenny Billing Dillingham was in his bag and he was trying everything he could to engineer an upset tonight. But like that's what every team is going to be doing against USC. I don't buy this excuse that I'm seeing on Twitter and from elsewhere. Even from you, <laughs> we were talking during the game. This, like, well, they were just running all these trick plays. Like you just, you sometimes you get burned by, well, by trick no, plays. There's, it's like, there's a caveat there, and I'll get to it. No, yeah, and I'll let you get to it. But, but my 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 broader point is like, yeah, there were trick plays. But why do you get burned on trick plays? Because you get burned on all types of misdirection, and you and you miss tackles left and right, and you're and you're playing the wrong man half of the time. Like those kinds of fundamental things are why you got burned on the trick plays when you did and those fundamental things are why teams like Oregon and Washington and even Notre Dame and UCLA and 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 Utah assuming they have Cam Rising back um are gonna look at this defense and just feel like well why can't we put up 40 points on this defense Mm -hmm. because at this point the defense has given up 28 points to an ASU team and a San Jose State team that are not going to be scoring 28 points on very many teams this season. And that is the truth of it. You can look for the positives of this defensive performance and you can find them and you can nip and and you can sort of cherry pick them if you will, but you're cherry picking them because in the broad sense, what did we talk about going into the season? We talked about how more than anything, the eye test is the important thing. The eye Mm -hmm. test is what will tell us whether or not USC truly has sort of the at least be a top 50 defense kind of thing that we've been talking about. And the eye test is failing in this game. The eye test failed in the, in the first three quarters against San Jose state recovered quite a bit against, against teams like Nevada and Stanford who are just not very, not very good this year. And the eye test was, was back as something that just didn't USC did not pass the eye test in this game. And I will give the offense a, a, a pass to a certain point on a, in a road game on a sloppy night where they still scored 42 points. I can't give that same pass to a defense that we've seen get burned for 40 plus points by the better offenses on it, on, on the schedule. Like you cannot give up 28 points to this ASU team with their entire offensive line out injured with their third string quarterback in the game. You you just can't do it. Not when you're missing tackles on fourth and seven to give up a touchdown. Like it it it's not it's you can't tell me that this was a good defensive performance. You can't tell me that this is okay. It's not okay. And it doesn't have to be an indicator of whether or not USC will lose games down the line. The offense could still be good enough to 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 pull those games out. We could see uh uh the 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 defense take this as a wake up call and and find ways to 
to win games, find ways to create the turnovers that they need, find ways to create the havoc plays that they need. But like, I'm looking at it and and wondering why is it that San Jose State scored 28 points on this team when they scored 17 against Oregon State, 17 against Toledo, and 20 against Air Force? Why is it that Oregon State, that Arizona State, scores 28 points on this USC defense when they scored zero against Fresno State, 15 against Oklahoma State, and 24 against FCS Southern Utah? I I hear you. I I, I do not disagree with anything you've said. Um, at the same time, I don't like, this was not the worst defensive performance you've ever seen in your life. And I think that part of it is seen some bad ones though. So sure. But like, I honestly think that Alex Grinch will never earn the benefit of the doubt. He lost that, uh, many times last year, but he lost it for sure. Um, uh, at Jerry world back in January, he's lost it. And the second any dry, anything happens one missed third down conversion. And there's a tweet uh, about fire Grinch. There's a post on the P oh, about fire Grinch. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like he's lost the benefit of the doubt for any sort of anything. Uh, if SC wins this game, 62 to nothing. Um, all the comments are like, this doesn't mean anything for Grinch because uh, it was just ASU, blah, blah, blah. Like there was literally nothing that Grinch could have done in this game that could have worked. Now, this is not me caping for Grinch or carrying Grinch's water because this is a game that, yeah, the, I think the the glaring mistakes here for USC on defense was the the missed tackles. And we saw the missed tackles. We saw some missed assignments. And there were ones that really cost SC. That For me, it's the, 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 the final touchdown, right? Like, it goes from being potentially a great fourth down stop uh, it was, was it Max Williams that had the first missed tackle? I think, uh, Eric Gentry misses the first tackle and then it was, but Max Williams gets him, gets to him before the line, before the line to gain. Well, the one before the line again, at, at worst, it's, it's like a seven and a half yard pickup of a, of a fourth and seven, depending on how Scatterbo falls forward. But like he's tackled, he's got he's gotten to before the line of gain. You tackle him there you, if you're able to hold him short of the line of gain. Um, SC is up two scores with like six minutes to go, and the game is over. You you salt the game away on the ground. Probably uh, you end up maybe I don't know. Maybe you end up having the um, the wherewithal to score another touchdown defend offensively because you want to run out the clock, so you run the ball more. Who knows? Maybe you score and it's 49-21 and 49-21 looks a hell of a lot better than 42-28, right? Um, And I think when you walk away at that point from this defensive performance, I think I would have been completely fine with it, honestly. Because at that point, you get that stop, you can look back at this defense and they would have finished with interception, punt, fumble, punt, downs. Yeah. But that's and, not what happened. And but that's not what happened because they missed that one. They missed the the two tackles, leads to the big touchdown there. But when you talk about the 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 trick play stuff, the trick play stuff in the first half, I do not care about. I, um, ASU with their with comes into a game with literally nothing to lose. They've got a bull ban. Uh, they are making up. Um, uh, Kenny Dillingham has a job where he's got to clean up the mess from Herm Edwards. Um, we talked about it before. There's not a colder seat in America than what Dillingham has right now. Yeah. Uh, literally this is a free year for him. 
coming off of a of, of a shutout, there's literally nothing that the, that can happen in this game that they can lose. So of course they're going to try every trick play in the book, um, as they should in that situation. I don't care that they picked up a fourth down. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize the 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 defense to the point of like you should be fired because you gave up a fourth down play on a fake punt. Yeah, but that's or you not gave up why like people a, are calling for him to no, fired. No, I no, but there were several of those things in the first half that let that collectively led to led to the points in the first half. Two like, 13 play drives. Yes, that were prolonged by trick plays on third and fourth yeah, down. Yeah, which they gave up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, but even, I'm just even saying the, like, even the first drive. Like even the first drive. Uh or or, or um the the first touchdown drive, which is which is ASU's second second drive. USC fumbles the ball. It's a weird it's it's a it's a mesh point issue. USC fumbles, gives ASU the ball in dangerous territory. Yeah. You defense in a bad spot. Bad spot. Fully accept. Like under most circumstances, if your defense gives up points in that in that scenario, you don't begrudge the defense that they were put in a bad spot. Yeah. But that play, that that drive is a microcosm of what USC's defense is, which is a defense that on two of the three plays in a drive. They get a stop. They they take care of business. They're getting pressure. They're overwhelming the, the other team. Mm-hmm. And then on the third play, complete and utter breakdown. No yeah. one does their job right. Easy touchdown. Right. Like So what is the point of getting things right on play one and two if you're just going to oh. break down on on number three would, would and you like give the everything up? The, the opposite way? Like, I, you know, I, I'm just saying, like, I... This was not a great defensive performance by any means. I'm not saying that it is. Um, I I just think that like I, Alex Grinch has no benefit of the doubt to where the moment literally anything goes wrong, all of the all of the reaction um, is going to be that you know the the season's completely shot right. and all these things. And I'm like, let's take a deep breath. Yes, absolutely. And and to to their credit, they responded in the second half. And I, I liked what they did in the second half. They sort of ramped up the pressure. Pine couldn't really do much in the second half after the touchdown pass. They responded. They made adjustments. They, they Bear Alexander had a great, great game on the defensive line. Romello height looked awesome. Um, but you can't give up that touchdown to, to Bo Scatterboo at the end, because then you can't sit in here and say that it was uh, this, this valiant, you know, defensive performance in which they, uh, you know, uh, responded against adversity and all those things. Because the answer is that it's a mixed bag. They had their moments. They made their big plays. They also gave up a bunch of points. And while, yes, I think that a good fair number of those 28 points are on the backs of weird drives in the first half that had trick plays, not all 28 of those points are that way. Absolutely. Um, and you, you can't be giving up that many points, um, offensively for SC. I think this is where I think that this game is nearly lost for the Trojans is that we talk a lot about the interplay between the offense and the, um, the defense, right? When the offense is, uh, is is struggling, you want the defense to step up when the defense is struggling, you want the offense to step up and whatnot, right? The defense weirdly stepped up in that third quarter when things got weird for the Trojans on offense as he came out in the second half were 0 of 4 
on their first four third down attempts in the, in the second half really could have killed the game away in a lot of different parts. Didn't. Um, I thought the decision to go for it on fourth down, um, you're up 27, 21. Uh, they have a, they, they have a fourth down or fourth and three. They go for it. I understand that this is the offense over any other offense that I would trust to get three yards. I, I trust them. You're averaging like eight and a half yards per play at that, that moment in the game. I trust this offense. I trust Caleb Williams. I trust Marshawn Lynch. I trust the offensive line Marshawn to create a whole. God, <laughs> I swear to God, one of these days, Marshawn Lloyd. Um, I, I trust uh, the offensive line to create a hole for Lloyd. All of these things. However, I don't think there's any world in which you need to go for it on that fourth down. If it's fourth and inches, yeah, go for it, whatever. Fourth and three, take the points, go up nine points, especially when you're facing an ASU team who has shown themselves to give no Fs when it comes to their game plan, that it's going to be, you know, razzle-dazzle, trick-play city, that they are going to do anything they can to find a way to gain yards and keep drives alive uh, and score, you don't let them stay within a possession under any means because they can. The weirdest thing can Things happen. Can get weird, absolutely. Yeah. On the, especially on take, the take take the points, kick the field goal, go up two did two two scores. Um, you know, I think that would have been a, 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 a sound decision from Lincoln Riley and and the coaching staff. They didn't do it, um, and the offense kind of stalls a couple times in a row there in the third quarter. Uh, luckily the defense stepped up at that moment where things didn't get away, but this absolutely could have gotten away. Um, and that's wild. Like you, you can't, you can't let that happen. And just like you can't let it happen with the, uh, with the Bo Scadaboo, um touchdown at the end. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the big problem here is that USC got away with one tonight and you just don't want to be getting away with one when you're playing to a team like ASU mm -hmm. uh, that's dealing with the health injuries, health issues that they're dealing with. That's dealing with the circumstances they're, de they're dealing with. That is objectively, even if they were healthy, one of the bottom two or three pack 12 teams that USC is going to face this year. Yeah. Um, well, that's the problem, right? Because, because you look at this and you're like this for so many of those eight sacks, so many of those plays, ASU looked absolutely inept, right? And then you imagine, okay, what happens if it's if it's Bo Nix back there? If it's if it's Michael Penix instead of Drew Pine, uh, that's a problem. If it's if it's Hartman instead of Drew Pine, that's a problem. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's and I think that's why there's so much concern coming out of this game. Now, to be fair, every team has a dud that you know going through, going through this year. Sure. Um, Somebody in the chat was asking about um, about like Georgia. Uh, so uh, Kings only says uh, so. Alicia Georgia beat South Carolina twenty four fourteen. Is the is their offense a problem? Yeah, yeah. Georgia is not happy about scoring twenty four points and beating South Carolina by ten points. Yeah, they're not right. happy about that. Which because they want to win a national title, and yeah. that is the that, that is the the standard by which they are being judged. That's the reality. Um, Can, and, let, me, and, let me jump in there really quick. Yeah. The, uh, I was looking at quotes from the press conference that have been tweeted out by the USC beat media. 
Um, Chris Trevino tweets, um, quote, shitty coaching, says Riley when asked what he attributes the double-digit penalties to on the night. Um, He said that tackling was, was, quote, the biggest disappointment. Um, I think that's refreshing to hear, right? Like, rather than the alternative of, like, you know, we... we, Clay Helton got to look at the tape. Well, not necessarily that part, but, like, the, you know, we went on the road and we faced a team that was going to give us their their hardest shots and um you know we we faced adversity and all those things true as those things may be no nobody wants to hear that right yeah so yeah to your point sc's not treating it that way no and 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 like jason in the chat says everyone in the top in the top 10 outside of washington has had a dud so far and washington is a problem um for USC, if you're if you've been oh, yeah. watching Washington for the for the for they the legitimately look like the best team in the country. Yes, because um, they went on the road to like somewhere like Michigan State against a reeling Michigan State program, kind of like the reeling ASU program USC that's, faced today. That's a that's a really and good and absolutely blew the pants off of them. So yeah. like that is what <laughs> that's what you want to do if you want to prove yourself as a as a national title contender. Now, having said all of that, like everyone knows, I think my cards are on the table. I don't think this was an acceptable performance on offense or on defense. I think Alex Grinch still has a whole lot of work to do to convince me that he can field a defense that is capable of bringing USC to a national championship. Um, All of that kind of stuff. It's still the PAC 12 road opener. It's still a weird game where weird crap happened, where USC was very clearly to me either or and rusty from the bye week um, looking ahead to Colorado and other matchups that are going forward, overlooking an ASU team that didn't on paper look like they were going to challenge USC, um, had the misfortune of getting ASU the week that Kenny Dillingham realized that maybe he should be calling plays in Arizona <laughs> in Tempe. Like that was an obvious choice. All of these things sort of come together um, to to form what was a ultimately a disappointing performance, but still ends in a two touchdown win for USC. Uh, when we have seen other teams that are having duds lose or have it come down to much, much closer at the end. So like in the grand scheme of things, is this the end for USC? Does this mean USC is going to lose three games this year? Like, I don't think that we can draw that conclusion from this game. Um, USC had a very similar game to this in week four last year against Oregon state and then went on, went ahead and and ripped off a bunch of wins. And um, the only, the only game that they lost in that stretch was to Utah, which was absolutely not a portent of, 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 of like Oregon state was not a portent of how USC would lose to Utah. Right. It was a completely different scenario. So like that's, that's sort of where it comes from. I also want to push back just from a realism perspective on the idea that like USC needs to fire Alex Grinch. If USC was going to fire Alex Grinch, he needed to be fired at the end of last season. You're not firing your defensive coordinator in September because guess what? You fire Alex Grinch. Who are you replacing him with? But but one of the dudes on Alex Grinch's staff that is responsible for all the crap that everyone's complaining about anyways. Like, I get that it's cathartic to scream fire Alex Grinch, but also right. like, let's be real here, guys. That's not what a 
undefeated USC is going to be doing. So well, let's put that out of the way. The, the other side of this is I know 28 points seems like a lot when this is an ASU team that hasn't scored 28 points all year. This is an ASU team that hadn't scored in six quarters going into this game. All of those things. 28 points higher than what USC should be averaging, you know, defensively, all those things. In this day and age, in 2023, uh, the the year of our Lord, nobody is getting fired for a defensive performance in which they give 20, give up 28 points. Yeah. Even ASU. So, yeah. Um, yeah um, the, the, the point is, SC does get the win uh, to Arizona. They go on the road to Colorado next week. And I don't know about you, Alicia, but I think the important part is both of those states are where you can support the podcast. When you sign up for DraftKings, because if you're a new user, you can receive 150 bucks in bonus bets instantly after just following three steps. Number one, go to a state like Arizona. If you're there now, you're you're in Tempe, you're you're basking in the glow of USC being four and zero, or you're planning to go to Colorado next week. You go there. You can then create an account, deposit, and then wager five bucks uh, on any sport. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive 150 bucks in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code Reign of Troy when you sign up. The best part is that using our code Reign of Troy not only gets you the bonus, but helps support this podcast. So if you're supporting uh, the show and signing up for DraftKings, use the code Reign of Troy to maximize those bets. Uh, this offer is, of course, only available to new users who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states like Arizona and Colorado uh, and so many others. So Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Check those, uh, the, the episode description while you, you know, head down there and hit the like button. So, uh, all right, a lot more to come on this episode. Uh, let's take a quick break and talk more about USC and the offense, shall we? Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today. Use the code Reign of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Reign of Troy for the first deposit match up up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, 
the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. All right, we're back. Let's talk about USC's offensive performance tonight. 42 points. Um... Caleb Williams, 20 of 31, 322 yards, three TDs, no picks. Passer rating of 183.7. He had two rushing touchdowns, 10 yards on nine attempts. You said earlier that this was an off night for him. Uh, You said it was akin to the Oregon State game last year. Statistically, you compare this to the Oregon State game last year, oh. it is night and day, not even close. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't making that comparison. No, I, no, I know, but I'm just... comparison. It, it is wild because I think there's a lot of instances where you can look at this and say that Caleb Williams was not at the level that we're accustomed to seeing Caleb Williams. He missed a couple passes. There was a wheel route to Austin, Austin Jones, Jones that yeah. would have been a nice, beautiful touchdown in the corner of the end zone he that, nearly got that, he, that he missed on, on a he nearly got, got picked, picked twice on a, on a bad, pl- on a bad throw that he yeah. could have just gone to Lake McCree underneath. He tries to force it into Taj Washington and misses. Um, yeah, I, I, I just thought he had an off day. I think, I think we didn't really see him create the plays that we're used to seeing him create until the last couple of drives, which are the ones that USC put the game away on. So thankfully he did step up at that point, but he had a stretch where he was just not, he was not on it. Um, and all things considered, the, if this is the worst performance you're going to get from Caleb Williams, right. then that's a cheat code. I, I, I it's wild Basically. that this can be, that th- this is one of the worst performances we've seen from Caleb Williams in terms of, of him leading this offense um, especially because throughout the game, I thought that the offense was discombobulated and a lot of it was the pre-game, the pre-snap machinations that he was attempting to do. I think they were in some instances um, counterproductive. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were, there were, it was a lot of points during the game where I just wanted Riley and and Williams to recognize at a certain point that just making it more simple and just doing the simple things like, I don't know, handing the ball off to Marshawn Lloyd or Austin Jones or whatever. Because I choose not to run. Yeah. Like that would have been uh, the the kind of thing that, that would have helped the offense settle down. And they just Riley never committed to that. And I think that there were things that Caleb was doing that was complicating things for, for the offense because of all the, the stuff that he was trying to do having to take timeouts because the clock is running down, having to rush because the clock is running down, all of those things. Not his best night as a, as a game manager, to mm-hmm. be sure. Yeah. And still 42 points, three touchdowns, 322 yards. Like he's still the best quarterback that I've ever seen at USC and, and, and the best quarterback I've ever seen like playing college football. So th- yeah, I'll take, I'll take this as his bad performance, especially because yeah. I think you can trust Caleb at this point to learn from his, his weaker performances. 
Yeah, and and I think the other thing is I think it, it's obviously presumptive to say that this is the the, the worst you'll see Caleb Williams all year. That's not maybe not the case. He's going to throw an interception this year, guys. He's going to throw yeah. an interception. Yeah. He's going to have a really bad pass. Um, SC is going to have a drive where they have three three plays in a row that are negative plays, and they have to punt on a third and forty six. Like, yeah, those things will happen. Um, but I think that you know we can say with you know with trust because we've seen it so much from Caleb Williams that if this is not the worst game of his, of his season. Uh, it's one of, and that's, that's the point. And yeah. that's the point of if this is still one of his worst games and he's still this productive, uh, that's a good thing. Um, you obviously, if he performs like this against Washington, uh, a team that is damn good and a team that will make you pay for all your defensive miscues, mm -hmm. which ASU did not, that's, that's what leads to a loss. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, more likely than not, um, you're able to, you know, sub subvert a lot of the defensive mis miscues by the offense being so good. That's what the Lincoln Riley era is about, right? Yeah. Um, let's talk about the run game. Marshawn Lynch, 154 yards on 14 <laughs> carries. You did it again, for the record. Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> I wish I could, like, just He's program my head to not... not it's not a bad, I mean, it's, it's not a great comparison, I, I but also like if I was going to get my name mistaken for somebody else, like I'd take Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lloyd, Jesus. This is like three straight months of doing this. It's bad. Yeah. Uh, un people are unsubscribing left and right. There, People already hate me compared to you. So like this is just more ammo. No, so. people just like that I rant. I'm yeah, the they hate the me. People. Uh, yeah, 154 yards. He looked great. I mean, obviously Agent Zero for you is uh, your dude. But he legitimately looked fan fantastic. Um, friend of the pod, uh, Keely Orr, tweeted out that she spoke to Marshawn Lloyd after the game, and he revealed that he hasn't been on a team that's gone 4-0 since high school. He was adamant in his, his response that transferring to USC is one of the best decisions he's ever made. Be even better if USC decided to to ride the hot hand and let him get 300 yards, because he would have in this game if they just let him do it. I, it was because the, I choose not to run. It's extremely frustrating, especially on a night when USC is having a hard time managing the game. One of the best ways to manage a game is to control time of possession, to mm -hmm. control the clock, to keep the other, the other offense off the field when it's giving your defense fits with its trick plays and its misdirection, yeah. and all the kind of things that are happening, like handing the ball off to a running back, also, on a night when I don't think the offensive line played very well in, in pass protection, this has mm -hmm. been sort of a theme, but like, I agree. we know that offensive linemen love it when you let them just run downhill. Mm -hmm. It's a tone setter. It's a physicality setter. And we never got to see USC even try to set that tone. I would be curious to look through the play chart and see if USC ran the ball twice in a row at any point in this season in this game uh it, it was it was like riley decided that the game was just going to be on caleb's shoulders and let that be that and to be fair the game on caleb's shoulders still ends with 42 points and a two touchdown <laughs> well, win so like i get it but this could have been a far more comfortable game on offense and defense 
if there had been a commitment to the run and we just didn't see that. And it's very, very frustrating because this kind of frustrating game doesn't need to be this. There doesn't need to be this kind of angst right. if you just well, did the simple thing. I, I I think that, you know, one of the reasons that the running game gets so many lanes um, is because of what the passing game does. I, I The other part about this is you have the greatest weapon that you've had, like, ever like Caleb Williams is the best USC quarterback of all time. Like enjoy every play that he's out there. Seriously. This is it. You're never going to get better than this. Like this is it. He is at the pinnacle of what a quarterback can be in college football. Essentially he is. And so when you have that, how do you not trust the, trust him all the time? Like I, I, I get it. Yeah. I think that, you know, SC should have ran the ball more, but I also like, USC, how are you gonna? How are you not gonna give it to your to your quarterback all the time and and let him make the decisions, especially when you know things like RPOs go into uh, the affect the run pass uh, ratio and all that. Yes, but also you take the pressure off of your quarterback. No, I agree. You, you, I agree. You yes, make life easier for him as what well. you make life easier for your offensive line. Right, you give them that opportunity. So like. And I'm not pretending to be, to have an understanding of offense the way that Lincoln Riley has an understanding. Like I, Lincoln Riley knows more about offense than is in my currently injured pinky toe. Like that, that's, I, I get that. I'm not. Isn't it the other way around? Doesn't his pinky toe have more his offense? Pink, his pinky yeah. toe has more offensive knowledge than. Than you, than, than me, yeah. or anybody in the chat, or anyone in this room, <laughs> or you know, right, whatever. But also, I feel like being that smart about offense sometimes can get in your own can get in your own way, get right. in your own head, and not mm-hmm. recognize like, no, let's. I'm just gonna do like the simple thing, right? So, uh, well, it's it's like you know Zach Branch, you know, reversing on a on a punt return, yeah, like because you know that you can. Yeah, because you know that you can, and you know that it's, that it's worked before, and right. and it'll work again. Yeah, uh, it it just didn't work this time. But yeah, yeah. When you when you have that ability to, uh, it's hard to it's hard to not let yourself uh, go to the okay. well there. Can I, can I just? I'm now looking at the play sheet. USC ran the ball twice in a row, like three times in the in this game, in the first quarter, an 18 yard rush for Marshawn Lloyd, 17 yard rush for Marshawn Lloyd. Back-to-back plays. Uh, there's a 14-yard rush for Austin Jones and a six-yard rush for Austin Jones on back-to-back plays. Uh, and then the last one was in the second quarter where, let me see, um, Marshawn Lloyd, seven-yard gain, Marshawn Lloyd, 19-yard gain. Like, mm-hmm. look, it, it just, it's just, it's right there. It's right there. Yeah, I I, th- I also thought it was interesting the the um, commitment to Lloyd as RB one. We talked about it before that last year um, it was it was Travis Dye. Travis Dye was the guy. Uh, he was running back one. Austin Jones took a big backseat during most of the season um, after having a solid you know first three games of the year. It was it was Dye and Jones, and then. All of a sudden, it was just die, 
tonight was sort of just Lloyd. Austin Jones had three carries, but it's very clear that he was not, it was not a split backfield. Uh, this is, this is Lloyd's Lloyd's job. And I know that you're a fan of that because you're a fan of Lloyd, but like it would, I think it would have been more interesting if Lloyd has 14 carries and then Jones has like 10, um, cause they would have still been running the ball, but it wouldn't have been mm-hmm. Lloyd. That would have been a different, a different scenario for you. And I think that to your point, like they were running the ball more consistently, uh, and willing to go on back-to-back plays, uh, that certainly, certainly would have changed things. Uh, the receiving game, a uh, big night from Brendan Rice, seven catches, 133 yards, two touchdowns, nine targets, nine of the 32 pass attempts in this game uh, went to Brendan Rice. And there was a um, question in the chats that I scrolled by a minute ago uh, that said, where is Dorian Singer? Um, this is from HR Picking Stuff. Where's Dorian Singer? These guys come to SC and, and get worse. Uh, Jordan Addison did and did better at Pitt. Does that I uh, I, I want to push back that, on this notion? That phrasing doesn't because doesn't, I yeah go for it. The word is not do it's it's not that they do worse. It's that they produce less, and they are producing less because they are in a wide receiver core that is absolutely full of dudes, and SC has the ability to distribute full stop across all of those guys. Uh, this isn't the wide receiver core of 2012 where it was just Marquise Lee and just Robert Woods. And those were the two dudes getting, catching the ball. No, Devon Flournoy was not getting a bunch of targets. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's not the same situation. Uh, you look back at the Pete Carroll era and you had Jarrett and Smith and McFoy wasn't the one getting a bunch of, a bunch of targets also, but this is a game. I mean, this is an offense where the leading guy is going to change all the time. Um, so yeah, it's, you can look at it and say that, you know, Taj Washington only had two targets, but in true Taj Washington fashion, one of those is a 40 yard bomb for a touchdown. So these guys are, are going to produce less than they would on other teams that didn't have the depth of talent at, at receiver. And that's why you see things like there was a tweet from, I think it was a, 24 seven. It was somebody, I can't remember what, what the outlet was that had the list of the best receivers in the, in the pac 12. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't an SC guy in the top seven. Yeah. And it was very clear, like stat heavy because stat heavy, there's not a single guy that is going to be high on the S in the, in the pac 12 stats from SC because they distribute the ball so openly. And yet still Brendan Rice, seven catches, 133 yards that's a banner day for a receiver, and he looked really, really good. It's a big game for number two, both on offense and defense. Yeah, I mean, and and this is where I I think that people are fixating on one guy because he was the big transfer that came in. But mm-hmm. like you said, the the main receiver changes every week. You know, one week it's the Taj Washington show, and the next week it's the Zachariah Branch show. And the next week it's the Mar, it might be the Mario Williams show. And the next week it yeah. might be the Dorian singer show. Like, I don't think I would read anything into it except that, like you said, USC has a ton of guys to go to. And on this night, Brendan rice was absolutely dominant mm-hmm. and Brendan rice was, was getting open and he was doing his thing. And it's a situation where if Dorian singers on the field and the defense wants to take him away, they can do that. 
and leave open yeah. Michael Jackson the third or Taj Washington or Kyron Hudson or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the only complaint that is valid about the wide receivers right now is in this game, they were sl- they they were there were big drops in this game. Yeah. There were plays where the the USC's drive would have extended if they didn't drop the ball or if they had made a tough catch or or do something like that. Like that was that would be my only complaint about the wide receiver situation right now. I just I find it hard to complain about distribution when you have a dude who's catching two touchdowns for 130 yards. You have another dude who's catching four passes for seven, for 68 yards and yeah. you have another dude who pops up with a 45-yard touchdown and that's his only touch of the game. But that's the 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 moment where like again, USC put up 42 points. Mhm. The distribution of touches in the wide receiver group does not matter so long as touchdowns are being scored by that wide receiver group and they scored three touchdowns. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the defense a little, a little bit again, uh, start on the defensive line. Um, Barry Alexander looked great again. Uh, there was the one play in the first half where he was in right on this. I'm like, how did he get through that quickly? And then, Oh yeah, he was offside. Uh, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, but uh, he got his first solo sack in the night tonight. First play of the fourth quarter kind of, you know, was a big pinnacle play on those three straight drives with the Trojans stepped up on defense. Um, Romello height looked really, really good. Uh, he had a sack, a couple tackles for loss. He ran um, down, ran down somebody uh, going towards the side. It was the, I don't think it was the quarterback. I think it was uh, a running back or receiver going towards the the sideline. That was a very impressive play. Yeah, yeah, and he had the big fumble recovery on the uh, the solo bird um, uh, strip sack. So, yeah. um, big big night for him. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about the the D line in general? Jamal Muhammad also had a had a big mm-hmm. night. Certainly a big fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that the defensive front, my, my complaint about the defensive front is like, and I put this on Twitter, I feel like they just disappeared for a bit in the game. Like they were a non-factor for a stretch of the game. And that was sort of the worst stretch of the game for USC's defense. Cause it was really exposing the secondary in a lot of ways because the defensive front wasn't getting home and they weren't causing havoc and they weren't putting pine on his back. And when they were, we saw when they did get to Pine, like that was the way to to, to stop ASU's uh, ASU's defense. I think that there were certainly in that stretch moments where their aggression was being taken advantage of. There were several screens where it was three dudes running at the quarterback and just a little whoop over the top, and then mm-hmm. uh, the the pass catcher the pass catcher has the ball, and there's three offensive linemen in front of him ready to block, and it's like, well, somebody should have recognized that that was coming, and that happened over and over again. So that's a recognition problem that I think was collective across across of that unit across that unit. But we also saw how dangerous and devastating this unit can be. And when we look at teams that USC is going to be facing coming up, like Colorado and Shadur Sanders, Shadur Sanders looks like a worse quarterback when he's got a man in his face. So being able to get into his face is going to be key to winning, winning the game next week. Uh, We saw Sam Hartman look human with, uh, with Ohio state, not letting him just sit in a pocket and, and make easy throws. Like those are things that you have to be able to get to the quarterback and be disruptive. 
And I think that USC's defensive front has the ability to do that. I would say that right now consistency is is the name of the game. Right. I'm interested in, to do a rewatch and see if there are if there are noticeable adjustments and if that is part of the reason for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. SC had seven sacks in the f- fourth quarter alone. That's which. Uh, so I. W- uh, as we were talking earlier, I, w- I went into the SC game log and was looking up sacks um, dating back to 2009. That's 15 seasons. Tonight's eight sacks was only matched by the 2009 Washington state game uh, in which SC had eight in a 27 to six win at home against Washington state. Uh, they have not had eight sacks since 2009 and seven of them came in the fourth quarter. <laughs> yeah. Uh now if you talk about seven sacks, SC had seven sacks uh in this fourth quarter. They had eight in the entire season coming in. Uh they had not had seven in a game since 2009 when they had seven in the home win over Arizona. ASU is single-handedly stat padding for opposing teams. It's what like the like all the like turnovers Fres- against Fresno, Fresno State. Fresno State's turnover numbers yeah. are going to look absolutely incredible all season long because of those eight turnovers and USC is just going to like rock it up into towards the top of the stat mm-hmm. uh, of the stat sheet for sacks just because of this uh just because of this eight tonight so right. uh yeah definitely definitely a thing but but I think it is noteworthy and it is something that we need to explore ahead of our fallout episode why did it take until the fourth quarter i think that was one of the big frustrations is we well, knew. I think part of it is is game related, right? Like mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter, ASU has to throw the ball. They have to commit yeah. to throwing the ball downfield. They can't go to the Wildcat as much as they were doing earlier on in the game. Um, and if you're going to drop back in the pocket, yeah, maybe that gives you the chance to throw the ball downfield, but also gives the defense a chance to pin theirs back and get after the quarterback. Yeah, for sure. But you need to be able to generate those productive plays independently. Uh, of in, that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Especially when you have the, when, when you have the talent that I think is pretty clear that USC has mm-hmm. on that, in that unit. So um, yeah, I, I want, I just want to see more consistency for them. I want to see them doing that in the, in the first quarter uh, in the second quarter, it would have, would have really made a difference. Obviously doing it in the, in the, in the fourth quarter helped USC close out this game. So take nothing away from it, but you need to be able to also set a tone early because you wouldn't be in this mess if you had overwhelmed their front the mm-hmm. way that, uh, and there might've also been a, a sense, like you said, of uh, Arizona state was sort of forced into running an offense that was a little bit more conducive to USC getting after them right. early on in the game. You know, they were in their bag of tricks. They were doing everything they could and taking advantage of USC. And in like, it's like in the fourth quarter, they ran out of the back of tri- tricks to a certain point. And, uh, and, and the effectiveness was, was certainly less. Yeah. Let's talk about the linebackers. Got a couple of questions. One from Lamont that says, why didn't we see Rajon Davis at all tonight? Cobb was too slow and not making plays. The linebackers looked better with Gentry and Davis playing. Also Zion branch should get a shot over Max Williams. And one in the chat also said, where was Davis at linebacker? Uh, what was what was your thought of the, the linebackers as, as a whole and whether or not they missed Rayshon Davis? I think it's a very valid question to ask. 
because I thought Rajon Davis was playing very well in the two games that he was a primary figure for USC at linebacker. And he is not on the stat sheet in this game. And I certainly didn't see him out there actively. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he was not part of the game plan. He was not part of the full uh, the, the lineup that USC was putting out there on a, on a regular basis. Uh, I don't know why that is. I would like an explanation for why that is because objectively, I think that Rajon Davis has played significantly better than someone like Tackett Curtis all season. And yet we see Tackett Curtis all over the place. Um, and Tackett popped up for two of those sacks in the fourth quarter. So it was good to see him do that. But in terms of consistent consistency, I think we've just seen more, consistent playmaking from, from Ray John Davis. And it's weird that he and Shane Lee were not involved in this game in the slightest to, yeah. to me. Well, especially uh, when to the point where I'm not even sure that Shane Lee played. I like the, the last couple of games where SC has sort of looked good defensively. Uh, those two guys were involved. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think it's a valid question at the same time. There's, there, there's part of me that, uh, I understand the calls for, for Rajon Davis. And th- this is an opinion that has nothing to do with Rajon Davis himself, but we see this all the time. This is PTSD where, from last year. And it's not just that. I think this is, this is backup quarterbacks syndrome where you look at it and you're like, oh, but if Jamel cook was out there, if Jamel cook was out there, they'd get a stop. Or if, 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 uh, if, if this guy was out there, you know, you know, whoever that is, uh, they'd get a stop. And I understand it, especially when, you know, we just saw what Ray John Davis could do against Nevada a couple weeks, a few weeks back. Right. At the same time, like SC's problems on defense tend to happen regardless of who's out there to the point that I'm not sure him being out there is going to solve SC's defensive problems as a whole. But yes, I agree. He deserves an opportunity just like, Anybody else deserves an opportunity, hundred percent. So uh, let's let's talk about the the secondary. Uh, Kalen Bullock, uh, I know has been up and down for you. Uh, he he was up and down in this game. Uh, he had a big interception, but he also had a couple missed tackles. Where where, where were you on on Kalen Bullock in the secondary? Um, I think that Kalen Bullock is a really good representative of the USC defense in that. Uh, when he is, when he is on it, like that's the, that's the difference for USC's defense. He's out there getting an interception. He's out there making a play and USC's defense is perfectly fine, but he's also susceptible to the same kind of mistakes that everyone on this defense seems to be susceptible to. And when he messes up, it's costly for USC. Like to me, the first touchdown that ASU scores is partly a, a Kalen Bullock problem. He bites on the wrong, on the wrong, uh, what I assume what he was doing was he was assuming the ball carrier going to the, to the right. And he's just out of position as a result. Uh, he can't go make the tackle that ma- that makes the stop. Um, he had a couple missed tackles. I, I think we saw, we, we talked about Max Williams is very costly missed tackle. Uh, the veteran players on this defense, especially in the secondary, are susceptible to being Jekyll and Hyde kind of players. Mm -hmm. And that is part of the reason why USC is a Jekyll and Hyde defense. And you can talk about uh, things like, um, should Zion Branch be playing 
instead of someone like, like Max Williams should, uh, should, uh, you know, I don't know, should Christian Pierce get a chance instead right. of, instead of Jalen Smith or, or Bryson Shaw or whoever, um, you can't take Kalen Bullock off the field. Like I can tell you one thing on defense, there is one player that is not losing a starting job anytime soon. And it's Kalen Bullock. So what you need from him is consistency, because if, if you had consistency from someone like Kalen Bullock or from Max Williams, uh, you would be in this problem a hell of a lot less on, on defense. Yeah. I, I, Tend to agree, yeah. Because when when Caleb Bullock is on, he's the best player on USC's defense. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, and he looks great. Like the interception he had, it was great interception. Fantastic interception. Play. Played yeah. center field, uh, made a play, jumped up, got it. Nearly had another one that was a diving attempt that just yeah, just trapped and, and bounced on 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 the ground. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's get to the mailbag. We got a bunch of questions here live on YouTube and. Uh, if you're just joining us, you can always uh, throw in more there as well. You've got mail. All right, let's go to um, Incartem, who says, uh, what do you think about Caleb having the ball snapped right into his uh, parts? Haven't seen that before. I, 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 I did not understand what had happened he just like he went down like there was a sniper in the stadium or something yeah. like that and i was like wait what poison dart yeah <laughs> um it'll happen yeah 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 that's that's a, that was one of okay that was a an objectively funny moment in 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 the way that um you know <laughs> those moments are just inherently funny um but also that was another one of the miscues on the offense that we saw where the snap and the the quarterback in the, in the center were just not in tune when it came to the snap. That was representative of of that. So it was a funny moment, but also like on an on an off night when it felt like USC was really discombobulated. Like that's another example of of being miscombo- discombobulated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the scary part was that right after that shotgun had from usfootball.com and tweeted that he was yeah. with the staff looking at it like his hand or something. So, um, well, on the, on the sideline, but I was worried because he was like kind of shaking his hand, mm-hmm. which was very much just like him sort of doing like the, Oh, I'm in pain kind of thing, mm-hmm. but he was shaking and maybe, maybe it was when he fell or something like that. But I thought maybe the, maybe he wasn't ready for the snap and the snap, like, caught his pinky or something like that. And you get, you get like a weird bend back on the pinky and that can really sting or whatever. So then when they showed the replay and it was very clearly a, a shot to the region that no man wants to take a shot to the the nether region is the uh, nether region as big brother would, (laughs) would call it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Eric says ASU, just like every other opponent will face is going to do their best to beat us. Uh, Are your expectations too high? I no. don't think our expectations are high. I, th- I think USC's that- stated goal is to win a national title. Yeah. And I will tell you as somebody who, whose job it is to watch college football from morning to night on Saturdays, it is wide open out there, folks. Like it is wide open. Georgia and Michigan and Ohio state and uh, Texas and Florida state Washington, there are a lot of good teams in college football this year, but there is no one runaway like this is their title to lose mm-hmm. team. Everybody 
has big question marks that they still need to answer. Yeah, now that Colorado has lost, yeah. Now that, now that Colorado has lost. So it's wide open. So yeah, why shouldn't we be holding USC to a national title standard? That is what Caleb Williams wants to do. That is what Lincoln Riley wants to do. That is the whole point mm-hmm. of the football program. Right. So no, I don't I don't think the standard the 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 expectations are too high when USC was the pick to win the Pac-12, when mm-hmm. USC is a team that got moved into the top 5 uh after the first 3 weeks of the season. It's uh it's perfectly reasonable to hold to that standard. I I think there's nuance here in the sense that yes, do not change the standard. The cha- the standard should be the where where it is. Um, there's a reason SC was picked to win this game by 35. There's a reason yeah. both of us on Wednesday night said that they would, right? Like, there's there's a reason that's all these things, right? Um, at the same point, I think that when you watch college football, I and when you watch it for years and years, like we have. I think you end up seeing that these things happen all the damn time. And the problems that happen to SC are not strictly independent of SC in the sense of like you want on every single Saturday, there's teams that suddenly are in a dogfight that you'd never expect. Um, and a lot of times it's indicative of the problems that they have as a team. And for SC that you can look at this and absolutely say it's indicative of the problems that SC has on defense. That is, this is not an infallible defense. The defense can get caught, right? This is an offense that sometimes can get a little too stubborn in trusting their playmakers a little bit too much and not running the football, right? Because I choose not to run. Yeah. At the same point, like we shouldn't be shocked anymore that weird things happen on Pac-12 after dark. We shouldn't be shocked anymore that like a team who gives up, you know, who who scores zero points one week somehow looks like they're able to be this razzle dazzle, like pesky team the next week, because that's what college football is. That doesn't, it's not an excuse for SC struggling tonight. Absolutely not. I think you should hold them to a high standard, but I think that we need to take a deep breath in, in, in thinking that this means that, all of like overreacting to every single game. I think you, you react to a game as it is. And then you understand that like weird things happen week to week. Could this be the one little, uh, you know, clunker that SC has and you just win your clunkers and who cares? It could be, could this be indicative of all the future problems that SC is going to get to Colorado and struggle against Shadur Sanders. And then they're going to go to Arizona or play Arizona at home and struggle there. And, this is going to be indicative of all those things. It could be. We don't know because college football is, is so up and down uh, and, and side to side all the time. So yeah, I don't know what I'm saying, but that's what I'm saying. No, I, I agree with what you're saying today. Oklahoma beat Cincinnati 20 to six. That's not a satisfying win for them. No. Um, You know, last week, Florida state, Probably should have lost to Boston College, except Boston College decided to commit like 20 penalties. <laughs> uh, Texas was tied 10-10 with Wyoming going into the fourth quarter last right. week. Uh, you know, th- these things happen every week. That does, It's not indicative of, not necessarily indicative. It can be. That's the, that's the problem. It can it, be. It and that's absolutely why we, can be. And it is, often is. And that is why we discuss these things and that is why we point them out. 
And that is why we draw attention to them because it, the reality is that if USC does not achieve their goals this year, we may be able to look at this game and say, well, the writing was on the wall because right. the defense was not good enough and this was going to be a problem, blah, blah, blah. USC could also turn around from this game, learn from it, get better, take it more seriously, use it as a wake-up call, and roll through the rest of the schedule. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to find out. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> West Texas Mike says you were saying up and down and side to side, Mike. Yeah, basically. Uh, yeah. Next thing you know, I'm going to be starting an electric slide or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, LFG says... Uh, Better big picture question. Zero excuses for coming out flat mentally after a bye week? Question mark. Uh, in my opinion, that goes to Lincoln Riley. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, if you look, I don't at, you think it would go to anyone else. Yeah, yeah, it has. I think Lincoln Riley would agree. I think we've we heard from his post game commentary that he would agree. Um, the coaches didn't do a good enough job of either preparing the players for this game or motivating for them for this game or warning them against the dangers of, of overlooking an opponent or, or understand or, or handling a road trip or a million other things that can yeah. contribute to why this happened. Uh, it has to fall on Riley to say, if you came out of the bye week rusty, then you mm -hmm. did the bye week wrong. Yeah. If you came out of the bye week, if you, if you came into a game looking ahead to the next game and you didn't, properly um set your players up to focus on the game in front of them uh instead of having their eyes on uh you know forward or, or backwards so yeah that's the head coach's job yeah absolutely by the way i i got a we got a tweet on uh on a tweet on twitter uh from cgb1967 uh thankfully no one east of the rockies saw this shit show we may be actually able to stay in the top 15. I understand that there's, there's obviously, you know, um, uh, sarcasm here to, yeah. to, to an extent, but I, I will say about the polls, this was obvious. It doesn't matter because the real polls that, that do matter will come out two months from now, but this was a bad week to have a, a, a game like this because there were barely anybody that had played ranked teams up until this point. And there were a bunch of teams that played ranked games this week, a bunch of ranked showdowns, which means that there's going to be a lot of movement in the polls. And of the teams behind SC, Ohio State, they're going to, they look good. They got a big road win. Penn State looked dominant. Washington State looked dominant. Oregon looked dominant. Utah looked dominant defensively. LSU won, Alabama won, Oregon State lost to Washington State, but they probably switch with Washington State and Washington State will be there. Like, I don't think SC is going to follow the top 15. That's absurd. But I think it's it's very likely that SC falls a couple of, at least a couple of spots just because there's going to be a shakeup based on resume votes. I guarantee you USC will fall behind Ohio State. It'll be two or three is, spots. I think there is extremely strong argument to drop them behind Penn State. And if people have been paying any attention to Washington this season, yeah, I think there's an argument to drop them behind Washington as well on merit. Um, yeah, that's harder to do because Washington doesn't have like Penn State and Ohio State have ranked wins on their resume now. Uh, Washington doesn't have that, so it's it's a little bit more difficult to make that argument. 
but also Washington mm-hmm. is playing like one of the best teams in the country. So, and, and eventually yeah. they're going to have to get the, res- the respect. A hundred, a hundred percent. Uh, let's go to a super chat. We got from relic. Hey. Uh, big, big, thank you. Uh, cheers with the water. With a squirt in my case. Sure. Uh, relic says everyone blames Grinch, but Riley abstains from coaching up defensive players versus Tulane. Grinch was on an Island during timeouts and defensive huddles. Yeah, I I think that's valid. Uh, I think that we, we've talked before, like um, one of the reasons that, you know, we, we talked about how when SC would go need to hire a coach, you want someone who has the ability to step in with X's and O's to be able to take over a game when things get really bad, if they need to provide input is one of the reasons that I was not for like guys like Ed Ogeron because Ed Ogeron, not an X and O's coach. Uh, and he, he might, you know, be a rah, rah guy, but when push comes to shove, is he going to be able to step in there and be the X's and O's guy? No. Um, Lincoln Riley is absolutely that X's and O's guy on offense. He's not on defense, but I would ask this question. I, and genuinely, I'm I'm asking this isn't like some rhetorical question. How many coaches in college football have the ability to do that on both sides of the ball to the point where they would do that more than they would trust their coordinator? When things were going bad on offense for SC in, under the Pete Carroll era, was he going to go in there and call plays over Sark and Kiffin? I, 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 I don't remember specific instances to say yes or no, but I feel like if, he was going to, you know, buckle down and focus on the defense. Yeah. That's uh, 100%. I, I think, I think Alex Grinch is paid very handsomely yeah. to have that responsibility to take care of the defense. The defense is his, he owns it. Right. Um, Lincoln Riley owns Alex Grinch in the sense that like he employs him mm-hmm. and is thus responsible for what right. Alex Grinch does. And you want to put him in a position to succeed. Yes. You want to give him the support and you want to give the players the support and all of those things. Yeah. But I think when it comes to like a defensive timeout and huddle and whatnot, I don't know that, I don't know that that's indicative of anything major. I think that, yeah, if, if, if Lincoln Riley's in there yelling and all those things, I, it, it could be beneficial. It could, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think Lincoln it's, it's Riley easy to benefits say it, from it, a better defensive coordinator. It's really well, yes. that simple. It's like, easy I, to say that that it's not the case after a loss, right? Like yeah. after a loss, like in the Tulane game. Yeah, yeah. Th- those kind of things are fueled by results, I think. But yes. uh, either way, I you know I I agree. Like everything um, shouldn't just be on the weight of Grinch because, like you said, Riley owns the the Grinch decision. Um, he hired Grinch. Uh, he retained Grinch. It's his decision. So he, it, it comes back to him and he's got to be able to put Grinch in a position to succeed. That includes uh, coaching up the offense in a way that helps the defense out as well. So 100%, but thank you relic for the, uh, for the old super chats. Uh, we got a question from Ramamurti. Is it better to have a dud this early in the season? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you look at SC schedule, yeah, all the ranked games are backloaded. And nobody will remember this game if SC goes on the road and beats Notre Dame. Yes, absolutely. nobody. USC had a dud this exact week last year, mm-hmm. and then turned around and had an outstanding season the rest yeah. of the way. So. The difference was Oregon State won ten games last year, so yeah. the the dud 
Did that look look nice at the end of the year? As the season went on, yeah. Yes. But like even if Arizona State is bad for all of the year, I think that the college football playoff committee will look at USC and if USC has won the games that they need to win in order to be even in the conversation of the college football playoff committee, they are not going to overthink the first road trip of the season to ASU when USU still won by two touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Ryan says, what about Riley not committing to the run when it's clearly there? Do you mean how? Uh, because I choose not to run. I choose not to run. You mean that? Yeah, it's it's just, it's, like I said, we've seen great, objectively great offensive coordinators fall into the same trap. Uh, Lane Kiffin does it. Steve Sarkeesian does it. You know, every, every, everybody does it. And my theory was always that um, most of these offensive coordinators are former quarterbacks. And so they're just mm-hmm. in a quarterback mindset where the the quarterback is the maestro of the offense. And so, of course, it all comes down to just like, you know, everything goes through the quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and it's just a little bit of a blind spot that that often is there. And like Michael said, it's hard to argue with Lincoln Riley when Caleb Williams is as good as he is. Yeah, I get the thought process. Yeah. I it it makes it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You 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 have the bazooka there, you're gonna use the bazooka. You know what I mean? It's there. Um uh Britt says <laughs> Britt and Irvine, Michael, will you wake up early for the Colorado game or just pull an all nighter? Man, I am still undecided. We will see. We'll see when we get there. I see in Colorado next week. At 9 a.m. Which leads us into a question from Mike. Um, is SC going to beat Colorado? My goodness, the night was gross. Let's talk about the Colorado game really quick. Do you feel more or less confident based on what happened tonight in Eugene and Tempe? I feel less confident, but in the sense of we saw a USC team come into this game and fall victim to the classic road issues. And when mm-hmm. you look at next week, it's classic road issues, but then multiplied by elevation, by yes. 9 a.m. kickoff, yeah. by the Deion Sanders of it all, the coach prime of it all, mm-hmm. um, the big noon kickoff of it all. And maybe that will help USC because uh, we could certainly look back on this game and see it as just straight up a a look ahead game. USC just got caught looking ahead to the big noon. Yeah. Colorado matchup, all that kind of stuff. Absolutely possible. And that the big noon of it all could give USC a, a big reason to, to feel more, to come out more sort of pumped up. Uh, but also we saw an ASU crowd, maybe, maybe get to the, the offensive linemen uh, and Colorado's crowd will be pretty raucous. I imagine um, we saw a USC team that clearly underestimated their opponents and with Colorado coming off an absolute beatdown at the hands of Oregon, could USC fall in the same trap of thinking, well, look what mm-hmm. Oregon did to them. So we're just going to roll through them and you can't go into the game thinking that way. Right. There's a lot of reasons why that game could get a little bit nervy, especially sure. given the context of, of this game. Uh, but at the same time, USC won this game 42 to 28. And they could very well repeat this same thing and still get out with a win. So, so we talk about football reasons and non-football reasons all the time. 
if you're new to the program, football reasons are uh, football reasons and non-football reasons are intangible things that are just things. Circumstances. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like the red bandana, as, bandana as game. As far as today goes, for football reasons, I am 10 times more confident as SC's ability to go into Boulder and beat the pants off of Colorado. ASU has a much better defense than Colorado, for the record. Yes, and we, we talked about that going in, that ASU's defense was their hallmark coming into this game. They were a top 40 defense. Like, um, uh, they they weren't the top 130 defense that Colorado is. Yeah. Um, as much as we talk about Alex Grinch, what is the thing about Alex Grinch? He is very aggressive to a fault. Um, and he was trying to get after your quarterback, but there are moments where that, that aggression absolutely works. And it's usually against quarterbacks who either have stone feet or don't navigate well in the pocket or don't have offensive lines. Shooter Sanders doesn't have stone feet, but he's not the most mobile quarterback. And when you put all those things together, you end up with a performance where Oregon sacked Shooter Sanders like 39 times today. Mm-hmm. I don't see how that doesn't happen in Boulder a week from now. Like I, this to me looks like, I, I don't, I don't want to talk too much about the game, but like, cause we're going to talk about it all week, but like, this is weirdly the perfect matchup for the Alex Grinch defense, yeah. <laughs> which is just like, throw the, throw the pressure out there. Hope you get home because Based on what Colorado's pass pro has been the last few weeks, everybody's getting home. Everybody's getting home. Like they yeah. just give up a million sacks. They gave up a million sacks to, to Nebraska and TCU and, and Colorado state. And they did it again to Oregon and Oregon really just really cemented home. How important it is to pressure Trudor Sanders. So football reasons I'm all in on SC non-football reasons. I think you can, you can start thinking, yeah, well, yeah, maybe SC does have a road problem, and uh, it is the 9 a.m., it is the elevation. Oh, yes, m- maybe Colorado's spirit will be just broken, and they're just, you know, they're broken now without Travis Hunter, or or maybe they're going to bounce back at home and rally the troops and, like, you know, take it personally, all the things that they, mean Dan Lanning said to them, and now they're going to – all those non-football reasons yeah. can be things. Yeah. But football, football-wise, football yeah, like the chat says yeah. – um, you know, more reasons for uh, Marshawn Lloyd to uh, to also go off. Uh, Col- thank, thank you, chat, by the way. Colorado came into week four, having played three games and giving up 16 sacks. That's 130th in the country. Yeah, 16 in three games. They gave up eight sacks today, which means they will have yeah. given up 24 sacks in four games. Now, I don't know what Old Dominion did today, but I'm going to guess they didn't <laughs> give up six sacks. So Colorado will have given up the most sacks what did in college Old football. Dominion do? Let's. So what are you in the American? Old Dominion, Hawaii, and Old Dominion has eighteen sacks coming into the day. Florida, so South Florida, and Hawaii have sixteen each. Where's all? That's, I'm, I need to look this up. You, uh, you look, you look, you look that up while I go to the next question. Okay. By the way, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm curious. Um, I, I want to get to a comment that we got to about the, when I was talking about the polls, uh, rise of the kumquat says, uh, we're not dropping multiple spots. FSU barely moved after holding on by two points against BC. I, yeah, I, I get you. I, I, 
don't necessarily disagree with that sort of, you know, logic that, you know, past experience, but also there were no ranked games last week. No, no one else had ranked wins. Yeah. And I think happened. it's less about SC moving down than it is about teams moving up. And SC only had five points um, more than Ohio state last week. Uh, <laughs> so Ohio state. Uh-oh. Sorry. Did, did Old Dominion get sacked 12 times or something? <laughs> they gave up eight sacks, Michael. Jesus. They gave up eight sacks to Texas A&M Commerce. <laughs> so Colorado is spared. They will Wait. not have given up the most sacks in college football. <laughs> did Texas A&M Commerce, is that FCS now? Texas A&M Commerce Lions, they are FCS. Didn't they used to be D2? They, I don't even know. Oh, my God. I don't even know. old dominion has a problem folks that's what we just learned uh but so does colorado in terms of protecting the quarterback Uh, apparently (laughs) yeesh so um but yeah back to the back to the polls yeah to me it's less about like sc moving down and it is about the other teams moving up because yeah yeah, sc had 1296 points in the ap poll ohio state had 1291 so that means you just need like th- literally three voters to put Ohio State above SC and boom, they move up. Yeah. Um, you also had people like, I think it was like Barrett Salee saying that USC is the at best the fourth best team in the Pac-12. After Barrett Salee also said that LSU proved that they are playoff uh, worthy over their, their late comeback win over Arkansas. So um, just saying. Yeah, but all, but you know delusion is out there so you have to sort of be prepared for that also yeah or as AP- dan lanning says uh, some people play for clicks yeah but, um, <laughs> the ap poll is literally irrelevant so it's okay this is true which is sad because i value the ap poll the millennial millennial in me the ap poll is gospel baby mm-hmm. yeah these gen z's now they're like what's an ap poll you know what i mean <laughs> um Anyways, uh, that's that's where things are with SC right now. I just want to quickly run over the the scoreboard in the Pac-12, um, like we tend to do here at the end of the CarCast. Um, yeah, Oregon 42, Colorado 6. We talked about it a little bit already with the the pressure that Oregon uh, put on, on Shudder Sanders, but thoughts? Uh, it was a beatdown, but it was coming. Um Colorado struggled against Colorado state at, at home and Colorado state was not a, a good team. Colorado had not played a truly good team yet. And Oregon is that. Yeah. Um, I think my only surprise was that Colorado didn't do more on offense. I, I think Oregon's defense has shown to be susceptible, much like USC's and the fact that they held Colorado to like six points in, in absolute garbage time late uh, was a, a very, very strong showing from their defense and maybe, yeah. maybe something for USC to, to look at and see how, how it's done. Yeah. I thought Bucky Irving looked really good. B- Bucky Irving's going to be a dang who's, problem. For who's USC. the best running back in the Pac-12 with the zero on their shirt? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on Marshawn Lloyd, but yeah. I'm a little bit worried because USC was having a hell of a time trying to tackle both uh, camp Scatterbro. And Bucky Irving is, is that times a million. So, yeah. Uh, let's go to the Utah UCLA game. I, 
I I put in was. our Discord over. Uh, we we have a Discord. You can you can if you're a member here on YouTube, four ninety nine a month. Four ninety nine a month, you get all of our bonus content, but also access to the Discord. Just join us. It's it's a blast. It's a lot of fun. I put in there. I have no idea what the takeaway from that game is, because. I think you can look at it and say, well, I feel less confident in UCLA and I feel less confident in Utah. But then I can also look at it and say, I feel more confident in UCLA's defense and I feel more confident in Utah's defense. I don't know what the hell to think. I feel like Utah's defense has been good enough long enough that we should just believe them when they show us what they are. Yes. Um, But also this is Rice Eccles and UCLA gave up a... a um, the pick six on the first play of the game. The first play from a freshman quarterback is sort of yeah. just a pick that, six on the first play. Essentially from a the difference in the game too. Yeah. 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 Dante um, Moore had a, they nearly pulled it out in the sense that they had a hell of a drive in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. made a couple big passes, one on fourth down that I thought they were going to be able to pull it out. So like there were moments where I thought like, you know, Dante Moore looks like a scary dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, but this was also a dominant performance from Utah and Utah's offense just did nothing. Well, Utah's offense has been, has been they got so many dudes hurt it's it's difficult to truly judge them right exactly because the utah offense that they're fielding right now is not the utah offense that we can expect them to field when they come to usc because we think that cam rising it was close apparently for cam rising this week Mm -hmm. so you sort of have to think okay so he probably will play next week although we've sort of been there before with whether or not cam rising will play so the moment cam rising gets back this offense turns up it's just how much do they turn up if they're currently sort of averaging like 20 points a game against FBS opposition? Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Also Jonah Ellis, who I'm just going to imagine is like um, in, in my, in my canon, he's related to uh, Cedric Ellis because he had a Cedric <laughs> Ellis type performance, 10 tackles. Five solo tackles, three and a half sacks, five tackles for loss for the Utes against the Bruins. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Nuts. So nuts. So uh, the the Pac-2 cha- championship won by uh, the, the Cougars up on the Palouse, 38-35 at Martin Stadium over Oregon State. Um, the Beavers made a hell of a comeback out of this. They were down 21. They came back with 21 points in the third quarter, uh, in the in the fourth quarter. But um, ultimately, it's the Cougs that get the win. But Friday, in Corvallis, Oregon State will have a chance to rebound against Utah. Mm-hmm. And that's a dangerous spot for Utah, especially not knowing where Cam Rising is at in terms yeah. of his health. But, no, very, very impressive from Washington State in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Cam Ward is Cam Ward looks can be like a the real deal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, SC is lucky they don't have to face him, but uh, they have. But to, they just have to face, face Michael Penix. They have to instead, face Penix so. and Knicks instead. So maybe that's not the trade that you want. Yeah. Um, yeah, you'd still take Washington State and Oregon State as your opponents if you could choose it. Yeah, but it's not like either of those are easy games this year. So no, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, then UW absolutely murders Cal. 52, Cal, 50, 59, 32 Cal scores, uh, 20 points in the second half. Cal randomly getting 32 points in this game is the biggest shock of them all. Uh, Washington is like I said earlier, a problem. They are looking like 
a, a team that just has everything going for them. But yeah. I would also look at if you're if you're trying to sort of look at. I mean, Michael um, Penix did throw an interception tonight. He so did throw clearly, an interception. So clearly, he's clearly, I don't worse know. than Caleb mm. Williams. Uh, no, I, I I think that there's maybe something about um, they might still have some questions on defense that are not totally answered if Cal is scoring 32 points on them. But also, they were up big early so I, you know how much of that 45 12 at the half yeah, I, I'm, I don't know it's uh yeah i didn't watch the game it was up against the sc asu game obviously so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know make any crazy sweeping statement but i'm not gonna put much stock in the 32 points there uh which you hope that you know sc you hope voters don't put much stock in the 28 points next day asu so mm-hmm. um you know uh it's um Matt in the chat says uh, that rhymes. Nice, nice little rhyme. Oh, Arizona pulled off a win 21-20 over Stanford. That's good for them. Yeah. Um, that was a game in which I think Jaden Delara got uh, got benched. For oh, did he? Noah Fafita. Did he get benched or hurt? Fafita. Either way, Fafita came in, was 4-4 for 47 okay. yards. Um, yeah. So um, got the win for uh for the cats, uh, Matt in the chat says power rank SC, Washington, Utah, and Oregon after four weeks. Um, so I, I want to get to this because there was a comment, uh, and where is it? I, I missed it earlier. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm not crediting who said this, but somebody said that looks like SC is like the fourth best team in the pac 12. Uh, no fly away. Flyaway 65 said SC is the third best team in the conference. I think it's valid to say that right now. I think it's valid to say Washington, Oregon, SC. I, I, that that seems fair to me based on what they've done. Um, Washington and Oregon have played. Washington has played about the same difficulty of schedule as SC has. And Washington looks better than SC in those games against nobody. Washington is very clearly, if we're power ranking, yeah. very clearly number one. Yes. However, Oregon has the best looking total wins when you look at like the win over Colorado. They go on the road to to Texas Tech and get in that dogfight. We think Texas Tech is a good team. Um, they did have to pull it out, but they they get that win there. But mm, Texas uh, Tech is one and three, Michael. Best one and three team in the country. They lost to West Virginia. This week. I, I, okay, take it back. Uh, either, either way, the, the point me, is... It's it's Washington, it's USC, it's Oregon, it's Utah. USC and Oregon, okay. you can That's have fair. your arguments if you want, sure. but right now, Oregon is still in the big question mark phase that USC is in for the exact same reasons. Like, I'm sorry, beating Colorado in Autzen by the way that they did is only impressive in context later on in the season. Sure, yeah. but but I think there's when you have more points than the other team has yards, that's impressive. Even if you're playing Texas A and M commerce, yeah, yeah absolutely. you know what I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm t- so taking taking nothing away from Oregon, I just don't know that that win is something that puts Oregon up over USC. Right. When I just think like I all these teams, US, are- I would take USC's offense over Oregon's offense. And Oregon's defense might be better than USC's defense, but it is marginally so to my understanding at this point. I think all these teams are very close and they're all very good. Mm -hmm. 
And so Utah, if you Utah put, is not close unless Cam Rising comes back. I agree. Like I, I think you any of these teams, first of all, any of them can beat the other ones. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're crazy if you don't think that's the case. Um, I think any of the top five or six teams in the Pac-12 can beat the other ones because college football and because everybody's good. Having said that, yeah, I, I think I see I, I would put Washington and Oregon ahead just for now. But it doesn't matter because they play later. Mm-hmm. They're gonna they're gonna come back. And also the idea, like you, you know, oh, yesterday I would have put SC number one. Mm-hmm. These things change, uh, and I'm not gonna put SC you know ahead of Oregon on the same night that like half the chat wants to send Alex Grinch to Pluto. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, just saying. Um, either way, these teams are gonna play later on in the year. And if you're the third best team in the Pac-12. That ain't a bad thing. You're the third best team in the Pac-12. You might be ranked sixth in the country in the third best team in the Pac-12. The important thing is not where you stand now. It's whether or not you can beat the best team yes. in the Pac-12, yeah. which right now is but Washington. The, the Pac-12 is good. Yeah, it's but good. you still need to beat You're Washington. third. Who cares for now? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to beat them when those games You could come be ranked be. fourth in the Pac-12. So long as you beat Washington when you play them, mm-hmm. it does not matter. And then presumably maybe again in Vegas or whatever. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. We've gone for an hour and a half. That's plenty. It's um, 1 a.m. So, yeah. I missed the the uh, Japanese Grand Prix in Suzuka. Got to go now watch that on delay. So, all right. Um, we are going to wrap it up there. Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Over 300 people watching us at 1 a.m. on Pacific time. Pretty cool. Pretty awesome. We couldn't do this without you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.